Hello, and welcome to FSU Conversation, where we highlight FSU School of Communication, its students, alumni, and happening in the industry. I'm your host, Mary Sylvia Hennett, and I'm a graduate student majoring in Media Communication Studies and a Director's Ambassador for the School of Communication. On today's episode, I will be joined by special guests Dr. Andy Opel and Professor Lars Naira to discuss their work on innovation pedagogy. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today. Thanks for having us. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the first question. Do you mind giving our listeners more information about who you are and your background in the field of communication? Well, thanks. My name is Lars Nira or Nair, and I'm a professor of media design at the University of Bergen, which is in the rainy fjords and mountains of Western Norway, very different from Florida. I have taught media production and uh, things like interaction design and innovation theory since around 2008. And I'm very concerned about promoting, let's say, call it prototyping and testing of new and emerging solutions with students and see whether they could become valuable in economic and also in cultural terms. So this is very important for my teaching. Definitely. Thank you. And I'm Andy Opel, and I'm a professor in the School of Communication at Florida State. And I have been teaching media production and documentary production on the technical side. And then on the research and theory side, I've been teaching environmental communication. So focusing on how we think and talk and write about environmental issues. And um, most recently, with a particular emphasis on climate communication. Cool. So we know FSU and Bergen are absolutely nowhere near each other. So my question is, how did this connection and collaboration between Tech Lab at the University of Bergen and FSU first come about? Well, I was awarded a Fulbright scholarship uh, in 2019 and, and to go study at the University of Bergen. And I, uh, in August of 2019, I, I arrived in Bergen and spent the 2019-20 academic year uh, working on a project that I called the Climate Witness Project, where I was attempting to uh, videotape and uh, interview people who worked in outdoor professions who had anecdotal observations of a changing environment and then connect their anecdotal storytelling to the broader scientific trends. So that was, that's, that's what got me over to Bergen and then I was fortunate enough to be able to meet Lars Nira. Well, so Andy came at what we call Media City Bergen, which is this environment of teaching and companies and so on. Uh, and we started talking and this interest that he had in climate communication and those topics, uh, they were very interesting to us and we were starting a new course. So there were two more people, two clever doctorate students called Frederik and Uda, so all of us ended up collaborating on this big course, a full semester course with 30 students, where they were challenged then to make prototypes of, let's call it interactive climate communication, uh, uh, communicating interests in the local community, like uh, for the newspapers, for a museum and for other companies as well. So this was a very interesting collaboration and it led to research also on the results of what the students have had done. We have submitted manuscripts for 
review and been quite active together, uh, four of us. That's so awesome. So this started when you were both in Norway and is it currently still going on? Oh yes, absolutely. So we worked very closely together for that, for the spring semester. This was the, the spring of 2020. And that was a semester, of course, we all know when the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. So about halfway through our semester, we transitioned online. But despite that obstacle, uh, we, we overcame uh, that hurdle. And, um, and the students produced some really interesting prototypes. And that that began a process where after I returned to the U.S., Lars Nira and I continued, and, and the graduate students, Frederick and Uda, the four of us continued to work on, on a manuscript and also uh, talk about future projects. We, and we've continued to then stay in touch and, are, and have now this year, uh, the fall of 2020 and, and now the spring of 2021, uh, we are we're actively working, collaborating on where I'm some of my students here at FSU are partnering with uh, a Norwegian company that Lars has connected us with and, and helped to support a, uh, an augmented reality project that we're, that we're developing. That's so cool. So now you have, because beforehand it was just the four of you, and now you're able to get FSU students involved with clients over in Norway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, Norway is a, a social democracy and it's f- full of state money that uh, supports and uh, subsidizes various activities. Mm-hmm. So TechLab is a state-funded initiative to explore what we call innovation pedagogy, but we, it's the same thing that Andy has been doing and I'm sure colleagues at your place have been doing for a long time, engaging students in explorations of new uh, and emerging technologies so we have quite a lot of resources for doing this now so that we can give we're not really paying these companies but we are uh, reimbursing them for time spent that they may not have i mean a small struggling startup doesn't have lots of spare time so we are sort of uh, subsidizing them a little bit to help us and to explore together yeah so these funds have helped us to be much more how could you say, brave about our collaboration. And we have, have funds to invite students and Andy over to Bergen. We can also re- return the visit, especially when, when the damned Corona thing has ended so that we can collaborate both physically and virtually with these emerging technologies. Definitely, that's so awesome. So why, why would you say um, this collaboration is so beneficial? Well, um, there's really, there's been a lot of great things that have come out of this. Uh, And part of it is is just the international exchange. We were all set up to teach a fully collaborative international class this spring, um, spring of of 2022 now, but COVID interrupted. uh, Lars was going to bring a group of students to Florida State. I was going to bring students to uh, the University of Bergen. We, everything had to be put on, on hold because of the pandemic, but, uh, but that kind of exchange is, is just is really invaluable and, and really eye-opening to both the faculty and the students. Um, and, then, and then this collaboration with the, the partnerships that Lars has established with these companies is, is really great because uh, the students then, the work they're doing is connected 
two professionals in the field who are working in these emerge with these emerging tools, augmented reality, virtual reality, that there are only a small number of universities that are really out on the front end of teaching this stuff. And so for the rest of us that are trying to keep up with a rapidly moving field, this is a nice way for, while we aren't necessarily experts, on these tools, we're able to connect the students with people who are and facilitate that collaboration. And, and so it's been that component of this innovation pedagogy model that Lars has, has established has been, has been really helpful and really great for our students uh, here at FSU. Thanks. So can you talk a little bit about emerging media and how it also relates to what you guys have been working on? Well, yes, I have like a mini lecture. I'm not going to give that, but uh, it's a big and very interesting topic. So you could say that we have, I don't know if you would call them entrenched technologies in, in American or in English, but uh, um, those are established in society. They are well known. But then you also have these emerging technologies where, for example, augmented reality could be a, a good case. Mm-hmm. So there are people exploring this and one definition is that emerging technologies are obviously they are new they are also innovative and they are still under development uh, one more thing is that they very they typically have a great potential for socio-economic impact they may end up making a big difference and so we are exploring if we continue with ar as an example it's new in this very simple sense that there are so many things that are not established in the industry. Like, for example, 360 camera means there is no real frame, at least not one that we recognize as the rectangular frame of a TV or film production. So that's very new. And we are, uh, with our students, doing prototyping and how do you make stories? How do you control people's way of looking at things? If if you can at all. For example, we have been playing around with sounds that are meant to trigger attention so that people turn towards the sound and then they see what they are expected to see because that's what we have produced. And a a few more more things here. They are uh, innovative in that they very often promise something that is superior to what exists so far. They have a strong tendency to, to possibly make lots of money for people to make experiences more immersive and uh, other qualities that are not out there in the existing media. And the final thing is that they are under development, literally. So there are often not real um, businesses earning money on it yet. They are, um, for example, not really an audience or at least a very small audience of early adopters or innovators that are not typical of the larger population. So uh, very often you don't even know if there is going to be a market for it. So therefore there is a risk involved. And so all of these qualities make it very interesting to have young people exploring it uh, because these people will be the ones who could uh, lead a life with these technologies as entrenched or as being completely normal and um, established in their lives sometime in the future. I do have a question about that. Um, Just as a personal question, you were speaking about like the AR gaming systems or like, don't know the proper term, but have you guys ever used one of those or tried one of them? And how was your experience with it? 
Well, yes, we've used, so um, I, I teach a class. Um, I've been teaching immersive media production now for a couple of years, mostly focused on 360 video production as, as Lars was describing, um, and from a documentary perspective. And last year for the first time, and now, and again this spring, every student in the class is given an Oculus Quest 2 for the entire semester. Mm -hmm. So, and then, it, and as a part of that, then we, we meet in virtual spaces. So where every student has an avatar and we're meeting in virtual spaces, we are, we viewed work in, in these virtual spaces. So we meet in, it's like you're in, uh, up in the clouds and then a 360 video emerges all around you. And the, the little group of avatars are all floating in the middle of this video and everyone's watching it together. That's uh, cool. So, so, and then, and we can all hear and talk to each other. So we can hear each other's reactions to the media. We can talk about various pieces. Yeah. And so that, um, and just as an example of how this, there's this opportunity that in this medium, because not a lot of work has been done. So one of my former students, Stephen George, did mm -hmm. a 360 video piece. It's on YouTube. He has almost 4 million views on it. It's the most viewed piece of media ever produced by any student in our media production program ever. And probably more than any uh, in the film school as well. You, you, you know, it's one of these where he, it was an early creation and it's on the, it pops up when people look for VR video on YouTube. So that's an example of how a little bit of student uh, initiative and creativity then suddenly can create a, a real opportunity for them to to make a mark. Whereas in, in the traditional video world, you know, it's very hard to break through. It's very hard to get a million views of anything, you know. Yeah. In this. So, um, so that's one of what's really interesting about this technology is there's real opportunities. And even though Lars and I aren't experts, on the tech on all the technical aspects of this media because it's moving very quickly we're creating the, the opportunities for students to engage with the media to partner with these other organizations and then take it and run with it and so uh, we're, we're we're sort of creating the the conditions for them to be able to work uh, yeah I'm, I'm saying often saying that I'm an expert on not being an expert um, my role is to facilitate the learning for these students. And so we now have several experts on VR and AR mm -hmm. uh, because we can make them learn this, not completely by themselves, but definitely by throwing them into challenging situations where they have to learn lots of things. And then they become, of course, quite knowledgeable about it. Uh, I just wanted to add that the way Andy teaches with these VR classes, that's, of course, a perfect way to collaborate across the Atlantic. Yeah. So the next level would be that we in Bergen uh, or in uh, other uh, institutions here in Norway, we would collaborate through the VR class system um, and in a sense just make those long distances uh, disappear. That's so cool. I also wanted to... We're planning to do that. Yeah, so we're, and we're, and we're working toward that for, for next year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That makes me like want to take that class, even though I know it has nothing to do with my major, but just the thought of going into like the virtual world and just like having class just sounds so interesting. There's an, an example of these things. We should have maybe have talked about that at the beginning, but we now have this thing called HoloLens, which is produced by Microsoft. And it's an AR tool that I have tested. And we have a student who does his major on this 
using this tool, but that's very precise augmented reality. And I just want to tell you that it works so that you can have a virtual coffee cup in your hand. You can place it on a table, a real table. And if you place it just on the, in the wrong way, it falls off the table and crashes to the floor because this AR versus real life precision has become so good that you can do these things. And that's just an example. You can then use your imagination and create all kinds of sort of interactions between the real world and this virtual world, uh, depending on your imagination and your purpose. That's really interesting. Another example is that we had a student team who made a VR story about how it actually feels like to have uh, schizophrenia. You know the psych the psychiatric uh, condition, so that it was very strong. It was really scary because you felt the world just dissolving. For example, there was these these noises in your uh, bathroom or in your uh, cellar, and so you had these tiny little spiders coming out of the sink on the floor. The paintings on the wall changed and started talking to you. You heard voices in your head. All of this was produced very delicately so that mm -hmm. it was a very strong experience. We once had a, a showing of this thing where a lady came uh, to look at this and she said she had a son with schizophrenia. We discussed this and we agreed that she should not really try it because maybe it was a little bit too intense. Mm -hmm. She ended up not wanting to try it, but becoming very sensitive to not not the disease maybe but to the possibility of this type of technology to yeah. mediate things and to, to tell stories that could be so realistic at least you can in a sense fear the realism of it so that it's not like you should do all of this you should consider what is suitable for you definitely so I know we've kind of talked about the benefits. What would you say some struggles you guys have encountered within this collaboration and help you overcome them? Well, I think one of the struggles for, for me has been, uh, th there are a couple of, of complicated pieces of software behind the VR and AR development. And uh, Unity is one and the Unreal Engine is the other, those two. And so they're, they're quite challenging to learn and that they are also moving very quickly so that the different versions, you, you can find tutorials and even the companies put out a lot of tutorials to help get you started. But often the tutorials are lag behind the newer version. So that, and, yeah. and the versions are moving so quickly and up and integrating and fixing and solving and simplifying processes that then uh, one or two version earlier uh, tutorials no longer apply. So, so it's one of these things that, that where you have to, to be willing to be humble and realize you are not the expert and, and that it's a, it creates a, a collaborative, learning environment where you are you are also a student and and you are solving problems together with the students so you you have to be willing to let go of of the pr typical pr professional or pr professorial expertise mm -hmm. and instead um accept that uh there's a lot there's a lot to learn and um you're learning along with the students that's always fun sometimes though because then you can both when you do figure it out it's like a accomplishment together well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
That's a good point. That fits perfectly with this idea of innovation pedagogy, because it very often starts with students saying, what, what are we supposed to do here? What's the, supposed to be the end result and how should we do it? And then we are in this, this non-expert mode and then they have to sort of take charge of more things than they had expected. Mm -hmm. And so at first I would never have evaluations in the first month of a, such a course because I would always get really bad um, evaluations. But at the end of the course, they have very often, almost always managed to, to solve lots of things, uh, figured out things, and then they have this ownership or this really positive sense of accomplishment because actually they had to figure out lots of these things by themselves. Uh, sometimes the group dynamic becomes extra good because they are sort of in the same boat. They have to deal with this together in a different way than if you're being given a very, let's say, typical yeah. uh, task that has no such challenge. It's just a matter of how much time do you set aside for it. Definitely. And, and here at FSU, the, the Center for the Advancement of Teaching really emphasizes what they call student-centered learning. And, and, they, and the, the line they always use is, when the student does the work, they do the learning. And so this is very much a part of that where, and, and I've seen exactly what Lars is talking about, where there's struggles and there's hurdles and there's problems, but then when those problems get solved to get, and collectively among a group of students, and then, and then they end up producing something at the end of the semester, there's a real sense of accomplishment and pride because they did the work and they, and they learned uh, the, the lesson. So it's, it's, it's been really fascinating to watch um, uh, students in this mode. I just wanted to add that in, the, in America, we know from the USA that the focus on this type of student active learning is more advanced than, for example, in Norway. It has been practiced for a much longer time and you have all this John Dewey learning by doing and various elements here that uh, we can learn from in other countries so I have noticed that what I at outset, maybe I thought this was very original and we are the only ones who are doing it and we have a name for it. Ah, that's not really true. This is going on, for example, at your place and in other universities. It's just that uh, we need to be made aware of each other and also read the right literature and the right books, which I am trying to do now and discovering more and more good examples of how this has been done and can be done yeah. in the future also. And then you guys kind of mentioned a pilot project that was in the works. Can you tell me a little bit about that one as well? Uh, well, right now I've got a couple of students uh, and we started it in the fall and, and mm -hmm. we're continuing it now. Um, uh, who are work, we're working with the Goodwood Museum, which is a, a plantation here in Tallahassee. And uh, we're developing an AR product for them that uh, will tell the, the hidden stories of the enslaved um, at, that, have, that were there at the plantation. And so we developed a prototype with one of uh, with a, about a minute and a half or two minute where it, you're inside the house and you use your phone and um, uh, an actress who is playing um, Henrietta, one of the enslaved uh, appears and talks a bit about her experience in the house based on 
what we know about what took place at, at Goodwood. So, and tells a, a little, and, and speaks directly to the viewer. And, and so you, you hold up your phone and, and, you, and you see her uh, there in the room with you. And, and so, uh, that, that was, so then for this semester, we'll, we're developing five experiences throughout the, the grounds of Goodwood. And we're working closely with the, um, the administration there and they've been very helpful and interested in the project and also partnering with a Norwegian startup company called Hidden mm -hmm. uh, that Lars has connected us with and they have been very helpful and, and they are uh, developing a platform for these technology, for AR and VR products in, in the way that YouTube is a place for video. Mm -hmm. uh, they are hoping to create a place, a similar place for AR and VR products uh, called hidden.no. It's not like this company helps us. It's a two-way street. So what they need is that they don't know that their tools work properly. They, there may be glitches and bugs, but also it may be unnecessarily difficult maybe to produce AR for, for this interface. Uh, and also it's going to be watched by somebody or experienced. And so we are now gearing up and we will in a sense help them exploring how these interfaces work so that they can improve them. And also, for example, there is no English language interface. So it also needs to be culturally adapted and with the language and so on. And final thing is that they don't have lots of time, as I suggested, that uh, this is a general problem. It's not like they can make lots of complex test content to show their product, at least that's very expensive for them. So to have these students and Andy helping to make this test content is very useful for them. And what one reason to call this a pilot is that we will continue in Norway with, based on what you guys find out in Florida, we will continue. Uh, and we already have plans for that. So this is like a real, it is a real collaboration that goes back and forth between you are doing very advanced programming actually for the Unity engine and so on. We haven't done that anywhere in the Norwegian context of TechLab. So when you are finished with that, we will continue and we'll do that probably next spring. Okay, yeah. So there is a nice uh, two-way or at least three, actually three-way collaboration that between Florida, University of Bergen and this company. That's so cool. I'm really excited to see that Goodwood project because I've just never heard of something like that before. But that's gonna be really cool. And then I have one last question for you guys. What is the biggest thing that you want to achieve through this collaboration? I can say something. We, we, the Tech Lab project has been funded for uh, uh, four years. So we will be go, doing uh, activities until the end of 2024. So by, by the end of that period, I really would like us to have a well-tested method for student active learning based on prototyping of emerging technologies where we know something really proper about how students react and what is the more creative and satisfying elements and what might not be as mm -hmm. interesting to do. And so that we maybe have like a textbook or some online resource where this has been structured properly. And so ideally we will go at the forefront uh, of a certain way of teaching where 
uh, people can look to what we have done and do their own version of it, hopefully talk to us and also see this growing then in a sense. Um, and uh, I'm uh, going to be very polite, but it cannot be just Mark Zuckerberg and the metaverse. It can't be these huge conglomerates of uh, economic interest. It should be a grassroots movement mm -hmm. so that these explorations should happen all over the place. Uh, so that's definitely my idealistic uh, vision is that we should be a large number of people exploring these technical possibilities and creating meaningful content and so on. And it should not be a, like a monopoly situation or a very locked traditional way of doing it. Uh, mm. That's not as beneficial to us all as a more open exploration. Yeah, great answer. <laughs> Yeah, no, and that's and and I would just echo that and say, right in the in the same way that I, for now twenty years at FSU, have taught students to use video production tools to tell documentary and social issue stories. Mm -hmm. I I want to teach and 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 get students oriented to these new emerging tools um, with a sim similar focus and a similar emphasis, because as as Lars just said, we we need. We need lots of ideas explore you and, and using these tools to in a lot of different innovative ways there. It's really unknown right now what the best uses of these tools are and, and what, what where the value is and what what the potential is. So we need creativity. We need that the students are so good at pushing boundaries and pushing things into unexpected areas and places and, and topics that that sort of innovation is is essential to discover what these tools are good for. And it's not all about gaming and it's not all about selling virtual clothing or, or any number of uh, kind of marketing ideas that, that there's actually a lot of utility and social value and, and um, whether it's the environment or historical issues or, or, or cultural and or, or, or science. So we're, you know, all, all that is very exciting. So when you ask what's what's the biggest thing, I mean, I think it's it's such a big area. It's hard. That's why I pause because it's hard to yeah. say what's, what's the big the big thing. Uh, Overall, it's very beneficial. Well, yeah. um, is there anything else that you guys want to add before we close out? Just on a more local scale, maybe that uh, it would be so nice to come and visit you over at the FSU. So uh, I really hope that's possible and that we can also have. Uh, you guys coming over to Bergen again. So um, yeah, that's my uh, final comment. Uh, it would be really nice and it would sort of strengthen the knowledge we have of each other in a different way than the virtual level can do, although that will also be very fun and interesting. So Definitely. Well, I'm cheering for the physical world uh, for a while yeah. yet. Right for our for our, our health situation to clear up, and I and I have applied to uh, the international program to have a spring break program in Norway in the spring of 2023. So we will we have we were all lined up to do it this year, but we are going to try again next year, and and hopefully next next spring we would have a fully collaborative semester with uh, visits from the Norwegians to to to, to Tallahassee and and for uh, Florida students to get to go. Uh, to visit Bergen, so definitely that's uh, awesome. Well, fingers crossed that happens, and we will warn you: Florida yeah. is a lot different than Norway. It's a lot yeah. hotter, a lot more humid, so <laughs> it will be different. Yeah. Yes, very flat. Yeah. 
flat. But maybe Bergen, especially, is very humid. Also, it's just that the temperature of the humidity is is different. <laughs> right, there's a lot of. You don't have to put this in the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it's so wet here; it rains all the time. So. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh! Well, we're sunny, so that is the bright side. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you both for taking the time to speak with me today. It has been such a great opportunity to have you both. I personally have learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners are going to learn a lot from this. But all right, everyone, this segment is about to come to a close. So as always, make sure to follow FSU Conversation on Instagram for more information on future podcast segments and everything else the School of Communication has to offer. So until next time, from all of us here at FSU School of Communication, be sure to always remember to keep the conversation rolling.